Well, this morning we're going to go ahead and continue on. As you know, two weeks ago we started with our, our uh, just getting back to the roots. What is our vision here? What is our, our roadmap, our mission statement at Living Hope Family Church? And as you guys remember, the, the, the vision here, the roadmap here, the I don't, it, mission statement just seems like a weird word to call it, but it's basically our, our, our roadmap, our mission, our motto. Our, it's that we want to evangelize the lost, we want to equip the saints, and we want to empower people to step out into their calling. So we've looked at both of those already, and today we're going to look at empowering. Because this is the final piece of the roadmap, right? The, the, the way it, it lays out is, is you get saved, you get equipped, and you, you get out there and into the field, and you begin laboring for God. And this is the final piece, because we want to empower people to serve and make an impact for the kingdom of God. We don't want to, to raise up people that all they're ever going to do is, is sit in a chair at church and listen to sermons and never go anywhere from that. We've all been called to so much more than that. We've been called to make a difference, to make an impact for the kingdom of God. God has a plan and purpose for your life. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. Blake, God has a plan and purpose for your life. Wayne, God has a plan and purpose for your life. Marie Louisa, God has a plan and purpose for your life, and that's our goal is to be equipped and sent out into that. And this, this, this what God has called us to do, what our, what our ministry is, is it ranges from the, the smallest things and the, the, what we might consider the, most, the least honorable things when it comes to janitorial or, or maintenance work. We might think, man, that doesn't seem like we're doing much, but it has such a great impact on the kingdom of God. All the way to, to ordaining pastors to be pioneering churches of their own, to be part of this fellowship. We all have different strengths. We all have different callings. And we all have a purpose in this body. And the truth is, the church needs all types of different people to, to work in his body. The truth is that we need, we need people who are skilled musicians that can help lead in worship. And that's not for everybody. And some people, like for me personally, I'm, I'm not a worship leader. I, I do it because at this point in time we're waiting to raise up a team that I can hand it off to somebody else, but it's not my calling. I do it because it needs to be done. And the truth is a lot of stuff that we're going to, as we'll look at today, when you live out your life in the kingdom of heaven as you're working for God, you're going to do a lot of things because it needs to be done. Because God's either preparing somebody, raising them up, or because the fact of the matter is there may be somebody that's supposed to be doing it, but they're just, they're not. You know, we need people who are skilled at teaching to help teach our children or to help teach the adults with the different Bible studies. We need people who are, who are artists. You know, that's important in the kingdom of God so that we can be effective at, at trying to get through the noise in a society where we have to be able to some way reach people when, when the marketing out there already is so heavy-handed and so strong, we have to be able to cut through that to at least let people know we're here. They have the opportunity to get in front of people. We need people that are skilled at those kind of things, technical people, marketing people, and we need missionaries. We need people that are willing to say, here I am, God, send me to wherever that needs to be done. The truth is, is that there are so many different ways to serve the Lord. And some of us are gifted in some areas and some of us are gifted in others. But the truth is, is that, that God has something for us to do. And the reality is, if you'll just do what God's called you to do, you're going to be okay. It doesn't matter. 
If you're called to, to lead a, a Bible study, and that's what God has called you to do, if you do what, what you're supposed to do with what God, God has asked you to do, then you're doing just as well as the person that's a, a, a mega evangelist and has led 5,000 people to the Lord. If God puts you on the earth to lead one person to the Lord and you do it, you've succeeded. And we have so many different levels and areas to succeed in. The truth is there's thousands of ways you can serve the Lord and, and we want to be able to enable people to serve God in the way that they're called to, to give them the opportunity to. We want to make sure that, that we're prepared to step out into that. And we want to support people all the way in everything that we can. And that's, you know, that's kind of one of the, the tough things to do coming from, from my standpoint because as we have people that have brought stuff up you know, instantly I, I begin to, to, oh, how are we going to do that with people and manpower and money and all that stuff? And, and I've, I've had to, to think about it. You know, you know what? Let's just let God move and let people do it. Joseph, just recently in our leadership meeting, mentioned that there's a, a few folks in the church that are interested in doing a prison ministry. And, you know, at this point I have to step back and say, all right, you guys are in a place. Let's put something together. Let's do it. Let's, let's empower people to step out on what God has called them to do. So hopefully we'll see something coming up with that, that shortly. Now I put you on the spot too. Now you've got to come up with it. Now we're all waiting. The truth is, is if you, if you have a call, of the call of God on your life, we want to make sure that you are equipped and empowered to step out into that calling. Amen? First scripture we're going to look at today is 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 20. It says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. You know, the first thing that we learn about the body of Christ is that it's not, everybody's not the same. Not only do we not all fulfill the same roles, but we're not all the same people. We don't all have the same personalities. We don't all have the same drive, ambitions, and goals. Man, you can just take one look around this room and, and you'll see there's not even a single person that's alike. We all have different likes and dislikes. We all have different ways of handling and dealing with things. We're all very different. But the truth is, we're all still part of the same body, one body. And God has placed each and every one of us in this room, in here for a reason. If you're sitting here the, today, this morning, that God has placed you here for a purpose. And I thank God that, that we have the opportunity here as we've started from, from just two families and grown into this. Every day I look out and see how we've grown and what God's doing and where God is fitting people together. And I'm, I'm just blown away. And then I'm like, why should I be blown away? It's God. I should have known this was going to happen. But it's still, it's still amazing to see God work. But if you're here, you're here for a reason. You have a job to do. And truthfully, if you came here hoping to just, to just sit here and, and hear a message and, and not have anybody bother you or call you or ask you to be part of it, you're in the wrong church. We're too small for me not to notice you. I'm going to ask you to do something. And we have a role to do. 
And the truth is, there's many roles in a church that people think of as top shelf roles. You know, some people are like, man, I hope, I hope pastor. I guess they might not as well. But oh, man, I, I want to be a leader. I want to, I want to lead a Bible study. Or some people are thinking, I don't ever want to speak in front of anybody ever. So I don't want to do that. But there are different different roles. Some are thought of higher than others. You know, there's the, war, the leading worship is always one of those roles that's kind of up in the front. It's it it's it's got a little bit of glamour to it. But the reality is, is there's some roles like that and there's some, one of the people that I'm so blessed with so much is George because he is committed to coming and, and cleaning the church every Sunday. And we've tried to ease that burden a little bit on men's and women's meetings, having them help out. But he's been here ever since we've been open every Saturday vacuuming and cleaning the toilets and doing all those things. And I'm always so blessed by that because I'll be honest with you, when, when, when somebody asks, or say, who wants to do this job? I don't think I'd be jumping up and down. That's not the job that I was looking for. And it's such a blessing, and we all have a role. And the truth is, you know, God says that those who have the least honor, He's going to honor the most. And the truth is, if, if, if you saw what this place looked like yesterday, and we all showed up this morning, we would all want to walk out. Or if a visitor walked in and saw it, I mean, it would be a detriment to the kingdom of God. But George is doing an incredible work and something that's not thought of from the outside looking in is very honorable. Very, very high. It's not the top shelf role that you might be looking for. But the truth is, every role in the kingdom of heaven is important. Whatever God has called you to do, He's called you to do it for a reason. It's important. And we work together. It's kind of, it's a symbiotic relationship. As God has called us, the worship leaders, to come up here and lead worship, and for me to preach, and for the children's teachers to teach, none of that would happen if it wasn't for someone like George who was willing to give up his Saturday as, as truly a sacrifice to, to clean up after all of us. Absolutely. Why don't, you, why don't you go ahead and just get with me after church and we can, we can discuss that. And uh, I apologize. I just, uh, I get flustered easy. So when people... I speak up, I'll get lost, and I'll start rambling, and you guys will get bored, and everybody will leave, and so, but uh, yeah, I'd love, just get with me after church, okay, and we'll talk about that. Mm. And the truth is, we're all called to be servants, first and foremost, in the kingdom of heaven. We may have an area that we're gifted, an area that, that God has called us to work, but the truth is, what God is really looking for is people that are, that are willing to serve wherever they're asked to be served, and there's going to be times that we're going to ask to be served in areas like, well, Pastor Wayne, that's, that's not my calling. That's not something I'm good at. But that's a need that needs to be filled. So sometimes we have to step out into those roles. And the truth is, sometimes your calling changes as you grow, as you mature, as you move on in life. God may say, you know what, you're released from this position. Now I've got something else for you to do. And sometimes... And this is something that I, that I hope to never see in my own life, but sometimes we see people, other people doing the work that somebody else should be doing. In Acts 6, 1-4, it says, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists rose against the Hebrew because their, windows were being, their widows, not their windows, their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. 
but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. You know, the truth is, is that sometimes when we don't step up into the role that God has called us to do, that, that means somebody else has got to go in there and fill it. And the truth is, is that we, are, we can actually harm the body of, of Christ by, by not doing what we're supposed to be doing because somebody else has to do it. In this case, the, the disciples were like, you know what, if, if we are taking care of this, then we can't do what God has called us to do. Which is why it's so important that we all step into the body of Christ where we're supposed to be done. Just like it says here, you know, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong in the body. We're talking about the different parts that matter so much. So all the way over here, said so if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? If we were all doing something else, what would happen? And then when we're talking here, people can't say that I'm not a part of the body just because they don't want to be a part of the body. The truth is that if you're part of the body of Christ, you can't just show up and say, you know what? I, I don't want to do anything. I just want to sit down. Because we have such important things. Did you know that, that we are running out of time? This world is coming to an end. There's so many people that need to hear the gospel. The church needs to be running as a well-oiled machine. We've got to stop fighting each other and trying to get out of these different things so that we can reach the kingdom of heaven the way that we're supposed to do. And we can't just decide that, you know what, I don't want to be a part of the church today or I don't want to do this because we all have a role. And we all have the things that we're supposed to be doing. And we all can't do the same things. That's the, the hardest part, I think, when everybody has these ideas of what they want to be. What if you walked up to somebody? You guys ever seen some of those Picassos with the, the faces all messed up? They got too many eyes, they got too many noses and not enough ears? That's what the church looks like in some place. Because people aren't willing to serve and do whatever that they've been called to do. We're missing parts and we have too many of other parts. It looks like, a, it looks like a, just a horror show. But the truth is, is that every part is so desperately needed. When I worked in, anybody ever worked in a restaurant? Man, like one of us, nobody ever worked in a restaurant? Yeah. Praise God, you're lucky because it can get a little rough. But when I, my first job ever, I was a dishwasher at JB's and service. And I would wash dishes. And uh, it, dishwashing is the, you know, that's like the starter position, for, especially for guys, because it doesn't require any experience. Anybody can get up there and hose some plates off and throw them in a, in a big commercial dishwasher. And it, you know, it doesn't require any experience. It doesn't play well. It's gross. And, uh, uh, but it's, it's, it's an integral part of a restaurant. It doesn't seem like a great part. It doesn't seem like a great thing. It seems like a terrible place to go. But if, if, I would, if I stopped washing dishes, if nobody washed dishes, then the whole restaurant would come down. And the same is true in the body of Christ. We, we limit our effectiveness when we're not willing to step out into what God has called us. Man, I've got a bunch more notes here, but I think I've labored on this enough. We'll go ahead and get, get moving here. Also, every member is extremely important individually in the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, 21 through 27, it says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head of the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, with our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there, be no, may no be, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ 
individually members of it. Every member of the body of Christ is important because we all rely on one another for those different parts. Just like I just talked about in the restaurant, we rely on one another to get something done. And and if we don't step into the calling that we're called to, and this can be for many reasons. The one thing that I want to make and point out here is that as a church, we want to be a people that are equipping people and empowering them to step out into the role, not holding people back. Because sometimes people can't do what they're called to do because people are saying, oh, no, you're not ready. You can't do it. You know, maybe you should do something else. And sometimes it's because people are, are, are unwilling to do what they've been called to do. But the truth is, we need everything. We need every part. Every person is important. And if I walked in this morning and said, you know what? You know, I don't think we're going to do worship anymore. We don't need a worship team. We don't need any of that. Things would be a little bit different. It would be chaos in here. Or if I walked in and said, you know what? We don't need children's church. We don't need children's church leaders from children's church anymore. It'd be a lot more distracting out here. I can tell you that right now. (laughs) You know, and the truth is, is that sometimes we're going to be asked to serve in areas that we don't think of as, as very glamorous or glorious. You know, there's, there's going to come a day when, when, when someone's going to have to clean all the gum off the bottom of the chairs. You mean people put gum on, on chairs in church? Uh, I bet they do. <laughs> I hope not here yet, but the truth is, is you go and look under anything, you're going to see gum everywhere. And that may be something we need to have done. And you're going to be like, wait a minute, I don't want to do that, Pastor Wayne. Or what if somebody throws up in the bathroom and someone's got to clean that up? Those are stuff that has to be done, rules that have to be done. And sometimes that you're going to be asked to do things that you might not like. But when you do that and you think, you know what, I don't want to do that. That doesn't seem very glamorous. I'd rather be up front looking, you know, people noticing me doing what I'm doing for God. Remember that Paul says that we bestow the greater honor on our unpresentable parts and they're treated with greater modesty. What he's saying here is that if you're up front, that's part of your reward. That's part of, of what you get. But when you're doing the stuff in the back that no one sees, that you're going to be bestowed with even greater honor. One, they should be bestowed with greater honor here, which is one of the reasons I like to point out the work that George is doing because I think he should be honored for that. And I believe that God will honor him as well. One of the other things that you'll see in those situations is, wait a minute, God didn't ask me to clean up the throw up. God didn't ask me to clean up the gun. God didn't ask me to serve there. You did. But I want you to know, too, that, that God will speak to you through other godly men and women. I've been asked to do all kinds of things that I didn't want to do. But when it's coming through one of your leaders, it's just as if God was speaking it to you himself as they honor him. And last but not least, we need to remember that as a body, as one body, when one member rejoices, we rejoice with them. And one member suffers, we suffer with them. That means that when people are having great successes, whether it be in their personal life or in the ministry, we should rejoice right alongside them. When people are having babies, we should be excited and not upset that, oh, why do they get a baby and not me? When people are having great success in their ministry, we should be just, you know, when when churches are growing, we should be lifting them up and encouraging them and, and blessing them instead of going, why is that church growing and not us? Why are they getting all those resources and not us? 
or even individually in the body, why is this person being asked to do this and not me? We should rejoice when people are promoted and not, and not look down on them or try to take them down or feel bad about ourselves because it has nothing to do with each other. Amen? 2 Timothy 4.5, this is the, the biggest thing when people are asked to do something is, it's not my calling. I, I can't help with the children's church because I, it's not my calling to work with kids. Pick somebody else. Or I can't, I can't do this because it's just not my calling. I'm not good at that. Timothy, 2 Timothy 4.5 says, As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. And I imagine when he said this to him, that Paul went, or Timothy said, do the work of an evangelist. But Paul, don't you know that I'm a, I'm a pastor? I'm called to be a pastor. You raised me up to be a pastor. You've been teaching me all these years to be a pastor. You just put me in to lead this church as a pastor. Why are you telling me to be an evangelist? That's not my calling. I'm a, I'm a pastor. But sometimes we have to do stuff that's not our calling. Particularly this one. You know, this, everybody should be an evangelist. And he says, as for you, always be sober-minded. Basically, in your ministry, always keep your head on straight. Be sober-minded. Endure suffering. That means that sometimes when you're walking out of your calling, sometimes it's going to be tough. Sometimes you might get hurt. Sometimes people might hurt you. In the church, Pastor Ryan? Yeah, even in the church. Because the church is, is, is full of people just like you. <laughs> But the truth is that sometimes we have to endure to walk on our calling. And then he says, do the work of an evangelist. Basically, sometimes you have to do the work of something that's not your calling. As I mentioned this morning, I, I love to worship, but I'm not a worship leader. Ask, I, these girls got to get frustrated with me sometimes because they're asking me questions, and I'm doing the best I can, but this is not my gifting. But someone's got to do it. And they, and they suffer me patiently. And uh, I've had to, have, had to have people come in and help us from time to time because I just don't know how to do some of this stuff. Tony, she's been coming to worship practice with us as, as uh, kind of the, the thing if you, because she's doing the tambourine. If you want to play an instrument, you've got to come to worship practice. And she's been coming and she's got a background in some of that stuff. And I imagine she looks at what I'm doing sometimes and just cringes and goes, oh, what is he doing? <laughs> but I'm doing the best I can. Sometimes we have to do stuff that's not our calling that we're not gifted in. And we just got to figure it out. Sometimes you're going to be called into something and realize that that was your gifting all along. You just didn't know it. You had already made up your mind before you let God work in your life. And he says, you know what? Go ahead and fulfill your ministry. Paul had already gone through the steps with Timothy that we have tasked ourselves to go through with everyone who becomes a part of this local body. He led them to the Lord, and then he equipped them. You know, right? That's the example, right? We want to, to uh, evangelize and then equip. And then he empowered them. He sent them off, and he said, you know what? This is the steps. I, we, we got you saved. We equipped you, and now we're sending you off. And the truth is, is that Going through this, even as you step out on your calling, it's going to take focus. It's going to take work, and it's going to maybe even hurt a little bit. But the truth is, is that finally it depends on you stepping out in faith to fulfill your ministry.
And as we raise people up in this church, as we send them out, we're going to be behind them and we're going to support them and we're going to encourage them. And we're going to do everything that we can do, but the truth is is that we still have to step out. As I was being raised up to, to, to lead and plant this church, there was still a point where I had to say, you know what, let's just go ahead and do it. Let's just open the doors. I had to step out. There was no amount of teaching that was going to step out for me. There was no amount of training that was going to step out in faith for me. And the same is true for all of us and all of you and your callings. There's no amount of preaching that's going to step out for you. At some point, we have to take that first step. And I think the first step to actually stepping out into our own ministry is working faithfully in somebody else's. Luke 16.12 says, And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? If God has placed a huge vision on your heart, a huge dream in your heart, more than likely you're going to need to serve under somebody else's ministry for a time before that. Just like when, when, when God told me that I was going to be a pastor, through my pastor, I said, you know, I, the people that have heard the story, I, I didn't know what God wanted me to do. I knew there was a calling. I didn't know what it was. And I talked to my pastor. He said, you're going to be a preacher. And I said, no, go back and pick another one. But he said, no, you're going you're gonna to be a preacher. How many know that at that moment, I didn't immediately step out the door and start a church? I served in his ministry and slowly worked up doing pastoral type stuff. I, I served as a, as a life group leader, a Bible study leader and served in pastoral roles, but I was still serving under Pastor Mike's ministry. And the same is true for all of us. We're going to serve in somebody else's ministry. If you're called to be a worship leader, more than likely you're going to have to serve on somebody's worship team for some time before you step up into that, before you're raised into that. The first step is, is being faithful in that which is somebody else's. Matter of fact, when... When uh, we, we decided to do this, Dr. Leon Van Royen, who some of you know, uh, when I told him we were stepping out, that was the email he sent back to me. He said, you know what? God is going to bless you. You've been faithful in another man's field, and now he's going to give you one of your own. And the tr- that's true for all of us. You know, that's the, the great thing about the Scripture and the plans of God and the purposes of God. It's not different for everybody. There's not some super saints that get the fast track. But we're all treated... The same, God says he's not a respecter of persons. And the same thing that worked for me will work for you. Amen? If we look at the scriptures, we see that Jesus actually modeled this evangelize, equip, and power that that we are making our mission statement today. I'd like to say that somewhere along the line I was very clever and made this up, but I didn't. And even the people that started it, they didn't make it up either. This is what Jesus modeled. In Matthew 10, 1, it says, And he called to him his twelve disciples, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. This is the part where, where Jesus had empowered his disciples. But if you, if you take a look back and you look how it happened, first he started by saying, Hey, drop what you're doing and follow me. And he went through and he went through and talked to the fishermen and the tax collectors and all the different areas of work. And he says, Hey, Follow me. And he called them in. That was, he, was, he was doing his, his evangelization. He was bringing them in. And then what did they do? They walked alongside of them. They served in his field. They walked alongside him. They were trained. They were equipped. They were brought up. And then finally he said, now it's your turn. And he sent them out. He empowered them. 
Now, you know what's interesting about this whole thing? I don't think they were ready. I bet they didn't think they were ready. You know, sometimes you just got to step out and do it. That was one of the, 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 the greatest fears that I had when I, when I was starting out into this was I didn't feel like I was ready because, you know, I looked at Pastor Mike and at how well he knew the Bible. And if anybody of you guys know him and have heard him speak and teach, and the man is just an incredible theologian, and I am not, <laughs> you know. And I'm getting better, I'm growing, I'm learning, and, 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 and God's working through me. But I remember thinking, how can, I, how can I go out and do this? I mean, there's so many questions I have for you, let alone when somebody's asking me the questions. And I said, I'm, I'm not ready. And he said, no, you're ready, you're fine. I said, no, I don't, I don't think you understand. I'm, I'm not ready. And this is when he said to me, he said, you know, you, he said, every Christian in America knows more of the Bible than most third world pastors. Because we've grown up with it. We've heard scripture every day of our life in some way, shape, or form. If you grew up in the church, if you're a Christian in the church, you know more of the Bible than most third world pastors. And they're out there giving it at all. They're not ready. They got sent out and they're just doing the best that they can. When I went to Africa to the pastors conference, we had something like 24 pastors get saved. They were pastoring and they didn't even know how to be saved. They were doing the best that they could. Basically, somebody went out there and you know, said, hey, come here. Smacked them on the butt, called them a pastor and sent them out. Didn't even give them a Bible. A lot of them didn't have Bibles. They didn't have, they didn't have teachings. They didn't have anything. And we had dozens of pastors get saved. And they're out there pastoring. They're giving it the best they could. And now they're better equipped. And now they're out there you know, doing what God has called them to do, more equipped, better to do it. And that was hard for me to come out here. And I've just had to come to the point that, that, that sometimes I just don't know. I know who to ask. I know how to find the answer. So sometimes when people ask me stuff, I'll, I'll say, let me get back to you on that. Let me, let me do some research into that. And sometimes I know it. Sometimes I don't. And one of the greatest things that, that always throws me off is people will come in and ask me about these different theologies, these different things um, I remember when, when Jan called, she asked me about, you know, do you believe in replacement theology? I'm like, what's that? <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. I never heard it termed that way. So, and then we, we spoke through it and said, well, here's, here's what I believe the scripture says about this. Here's what I believe about this. And apparently she agreed because she showed up the next Sunday. <laughs> so, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the reality is, is that uh, there's a lot of stuff that I don't know. I'm a young pastor. I'm, I've been pastoring for a few years. I make mistakes. I mess up. I've said dumb things. Probably offended a few of you. I didn't mean to, and I apologize. But that's the reality, is, is, is planning a church and really stepping out of an infrastructure is like having a kid. It doesn't come with a manual. <laughs> you know what? If you, if you waited until you had it all figured out before you had a kid, You'd, you'd be in your 80s. And at that point, you wouldn't have a kid. You're like, you know what? I'm never going to have it figured out. I just give up. But you just do it. You step out. But that's not what we were talking about. We were talking about Jesus setting the example. So let's get back to that. Jesus set the example. And that's what he did. Is he, he, he brought him in. He trained him. And he sent 
them out. And that's, that's our goal here at Living Hope Family Church. As, as hard as it is, the truth is, and as hard as it is in a healthy church, we shouldn't always see the same people year after year after year. We should be sending them out. There's people in this church, even right now, who are going to be raised up to be pastors. who are going to be raised up to be evangelists. who's going to be raised up to be minister, missionaries and be sent out. And as hard as that is, as sad as that is, that means that that we are being successful in the kingdom of God. We may have to say goodbye, but how many lives are going to be impacted? Whereas, if we keep everybody here, and nobody ever grows, nobody ever steps out, sure, we may feel comfort, and we may get to see everybody every day, but what are we accomplishing for the kingdom of heaven? In Matthew 28, 18-20, says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the, the great omission that everybody knows all about. But this is, this is the calling of every single person. This is the great commission, not the great omission. So many of us want to forget about this and push it away, but the truth is, is, is we're all called to go out onto the earth and, and not make converts, not just get people saved, but to make disciples, to teach them about Jesus, to get them saved, and then to build them up. And then it's a cycle because that's the idea is that you make disciples, you build them up, and then now this is their responsibility. And people will say, oh, no, no, Pastor Wayne, he's talking to the, to the apostles, to the disciples. That's not for us today, that was for them. But the truth is, is this is everybody's calling. People that want to argue that this was just for the disciples or just for the apostles, I think have have, have not read certain parts of their their Bible. Because the two that I see that operated in this, that that, uh, went out there and were teaching people to serve and that that, uh, they, they were out there preaching the gospel and they were doing stuff in power as well. They were operating in the power of the Holy Spirit and they were operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's another one. No, that was just for the the early church, the apostles. That power wasn't for everybody. Well, then tell me what happened with Stephen and Philip. Stephen became a great minister. In Acts 6-8 it says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. He was operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. He was speaking the gospel. He was evangelizing. He was building disciples up. And then Acts, or in, in Philip, in Acts uh, 5, 8, 5 through 7, it says that Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip. And when they heard him and saw the signs that he did, for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. This is Philip operating in this commission going out there. It says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. That authority has been given to you, not just the, the, the apostles, not just the, the original 12 disciples, but that authority has been given to you. Just like Philip took hold of that and Stephen took hold of that, they went out there and operated in that authority and made a difference for the kingdom of heaven. Matter of fact, in Acts 21.8, the next thing we hear is, is about Philip. is on the next day we departed and came to Caesarea. We entered the house of Philip the Evangelist. He went from Philip, man who was, who was chosen to serve widows, to Philip the evangelist, because he stepped out into his calling. He started in doing something he probably didn't want to do. But then God used him 
and built him up. And he was equipped, he was trained, and he was sent out into his ministry. And the truth is, if we want to make an impact on this world, we have to send people out. We have to equip people. In Romans 10, 13-15, we looked at this a couple weeks ago, but the point that I want to, to point out here is, is in verse 15, Romans 10, verse 15, it says, How are they to preach unless they are sent? At some point, we have to step out into our calling and make a difference. We have to, to walk out there and speak to people. And we have to be sent. And like I said, as, as much as it as will pain me, I imagine, someday. The truth is I've heard that, that uh, being a pastor in many ways is heartbreaking because if you're doing it right, you're constantly sending people away to step out of their ministry. And as much as it will pain me to send people out, I'm also excited to know that, that as a church, an individual will be making an impact in the city of God. And we can't have an impact. We can't get people saved if we don't send them out. And that starts locally. And it's, you know, we've got we to gotta have people sent out there on Easter Sunday ministering and working and, and, and reaching those people. But ultimately, we need to, to raise up evangelists and teachers and preachers and pastors and send them out. In 2 Timothy 2, 1-5, it says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust of faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlists him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And then in Titus 1 5, it says, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint leaders. I'm sorry, elders, to every town as I directed you. These are two of Paul's pastors that he raised up and he sent them out. He said, you know what? Basically, what I've done with you, I found you, I pulled you in, I trained you, I equipped you and sent you out. I want you to do the same thing. He tells Timothy, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men, but he doesn't stop there. He says, who will what? Be able to teach others also. And he says the same thing to, to Titus. He says, he says, I left you in Crete so you might put what remained in order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Titus was supposed to send people out into these towns and plant churches. He empowered people. Paul empowered Timothy and Titus to empower people. And you know what? I can guarantee you when Timothy and Titus were, were teaching the people that they sent out, he said, you know what? I'm empowering you to do the same thing. And we know that's true because it started from a handful of apostles to the, to, the, to the largest religion in the world. People stepped out into their calling. And I added this little bit here about, about being a soldier of Christ because it says no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. What Paul is saying here is that, you know what, you're on a mission. You've got something to do. Don't get distracted by these other things. You know, it's easy for us to get distracted and become complacent and not do anything. But we need to be careful. Be like a good soldier. It says, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Our aim is to please God who enlisted us. And to not get entangled in the cares of the world, but instead press out into the calling that he has for our lives. And then he says, and an athlete is not crowned unless he peats according to the rules. Did you know that those athletes, they, just like today, if you look at Olympiad athletes, they train for four years to be able to get into the games. 
And they have to do it according to a strict schedule. And if they don't do those things, if they don't uh, participate correctly, because every sport has its own rules, and if they don't stay, stay with it, if they don't work out every day, how many of you know that if, that if a marathoner showed up in the Olympics and he looked like me, somebody would be like, something's not right here. Somebody wasn't working out in the off-season. We don't want to be like that. We want to compete according to the rules. We want to be good soldiers in the army of Christ and do what God has called us to do. And that's bring them in, get them trained, and send them back out. Amen? Because the truth is, there's work to be done. And I, as, as I grow more in the Lord, I'm, I'm reminded more and more, I'm beginning to see more and more how much work there is to be done. In Matthew 9, 37-38, it says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers in to his harvest. That's what we're praying for right now. You know, this is an interesting prayer because Jesus is already assuming the rest. He's like, you know what, pray for laborers. Don't just pray for people to get saved, but pray for people to be radically saved, transformed, lifted up, and sent back out. We're not looking for converts. We're looking for disciples. We're looking for people that are, are going to, to do their part in the kingdom of God. And he said, the harvest is plentiful. Anybody ever felt like the harvest is plentiful? Do you feel like that? you feel like it? I look out there sometimes, and I'm like, I see a bunch of ornery people that don't want anything to do with God. And I'm like, if the harvest was plentiful, you'd think I'd be, I, I really. <laughs> but when I when I think what the what I think of when I read that the harvest is plentiful is that you know we're going to walk out there and and uh, you just hold up a sign that says Jesus and people are just going to run into the church. It's plentiful. There's all kinds of people that want to be saved, but the truth is, there's not a lot of people that want to be saved. There are some. There are some that don't know what they're looking for. But the reality is is that the harvest out there is plentiful because there's thousands of people that don't know Jesus. You know, and some of them, they're not ready. Some of them aren't, aren't, aren't in bloom or in sprout or whatever it is to be harvested, but some are. And the truth is, we're not very good at seeing which one that they are. I think that's my biggest issue. I look out there and I'm like, I just see a bunch of people that don't want anything to do with God. But I don't know what their heart is. I don't know what their, their seeing is. The problem is, is, is we've gone out there and we've talked to a couple people about Jesus and they've rejected us. When the truth is, they haven't rejected you, they've rejected God. But we take it personally and assume that's what everybody thinks. And then I think about myself and, and people came up and ministered to me and how many times did I reject them until, until for whatever reason that one time it, it clicked, it made sense. I said, okay, God, here it is. You know, the truth is we may just be planting seeds or we may be bringing them in. But he says that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. That's our problem is as we're bringing people in, they're getting saved, but they never want to do anything but sit on their blessed assurance. They don't ever want to get up and do anything and do any work. We have parents that go, I don't want to, you know, I want my children to make their own choice. I don't want to, I don't want to, to tell, them, tell them what to believe. I don't want to raise them. Like, well, if you're not doing it, somebody else is going to make the decision for them. Or, you know what, I don't really want to push my faith on somebody else. That drives me nuts more than anything. Because if you really believed what you said you believed, you'd be doing everything you can to tell people about Jesus. If you really believed that people were going to die and spend eternity away from God in hell, then you would tell everybody about it. Be damned what they think. Because they need to hear about Jesus. 
They need to hear about it. And, and if we really believe that they were going to be lost and perished for, you know, this isn't just a bad day, they're going to have a bad, a bad weekend. This is for eternity that they'll be damned in hell if we don't tell them about it. And if we believe that, how can we say, I, I respect your opinion, I don't want to push my faith on you. The truth is we should care about some people so much that it doesn't matter what they want to hear. That we'd be willing to tell everybody says the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few and he says therefore pray earnestly to the lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest this is my i think jesus is actually kind of pulling one over on him with this one and this is why because most people are like oh good we can pray for somebody else to do it not me I'm going to pray for harvest of our laborers like you never believed. And they're like, Lord, please send in a laborer. And God goes, gotcha, it's you. <laughs> You're going to answer your own prayer. Get out there. You know, we need to pray for, for those to go in the field and to the harvest field. But we need to realize that more than likely, you're the answer to that prayer. And then once you're doing your part, let's pray for others to do their part because there are so many people out there that need to know Jesus. And the reality is, is if, is if, if we don't tell them about Jesus, if we, if we can't get to them somehow, they're going to spend eternity in hell. And you know what? We don't ever want to say someone and go, but I never knew. I never had a chance. They have to make the decision. We can't make the decision for them. They have to decide. But I never want anybody to be able to say, well, no one ever told me. When we can say, no, we told you. We, we, we tried so many times to tell you. You just wouldn't hear us. And we should be compelled to tell people. We should be impassioned to tell people. And I want you to know that when we go out, this is where we're in today, that we're not going out unprepared. In Acts 1-8 through 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You know what it means to be a witness? It's to testify that something has happened, that something is true. In the court of law, when you bring in a witness, what do they come in there for? They come in to, to, to tell what they've seen, to tell what they've heard, to collaborate with somebody else has seen and heard. They're basically giving an account of what has actually happened. And that's what we're, you know, we're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit, which is going to empower us to go out in the world. It's going to empower us to deal with opposition. It's going to empower us to deal with, with uh, persecution, to get over obstacles. And he says, you're going to be my witness. That means that you're there to testify of what God has done in you to everyone who will hear it. He says, in Jerusalem, that's our local city. For us today, that means in the city of Marana. We're going to be able to tell people, you know what? God is. How do you know God is real? Because I've seen Him work in my life. How do you know you're saved? Because I was there when it happened. How do you know God loves you? Because I can see that love in every aspect of my life. And we're, we're His witness. We can be called to the, to the stand and you know, raise our right hand put our left hand on the Bible. 
And, uh, and we can say, no, God is good. This is what He has done. And He'll do it for you too. And then not only in Jerusalem, not only in Morana, it says that we need to do it all Judea and Samaria. For that, that was the region that they were in. That means in Arizona, we need to be out there telling people. In the United States, we need to be making that impact, being that witness. And then finally, to the ends of the earth. Just in case you thought there was a place that you weren't responsible for, this covers it all. We're to be our witness for this entire earth. And here at Living Hope Family Church, that is our goal. That is our ultimate vision. Our goal is to bring people in, to train them, to lift them up, and send them out into their calling so that we can reach everybody. I've heard it said that every generation has had enough manpower and resources to fulfill the Great Commission. But apparently we just don't have the, the gumption or the will to do it. That's... Let's be, the, let's be the generation that's going to step out and, and do our calling. Let's make sure that we're not a people that says somebody else had to do the work that we were called to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet.